knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Welcome back to episode 182 with your boy East Coast Trev and I'm good, my good, good, good buddy, Mr. Madman Mardik. I'm here. Oh, that's no, it? There. That's all we get? I got nothing. What? You're Dude, I'm already? still recovering from Harrisburg, man. Leave me alone. You're still recovering from Harrisburg? Yeah. I don't I don't even remember going there. I Yeah, I forgot most of it, but... I had to play back the podcast episode to try to piece <laughs> just, it back together. Just, just to remember where you were going and where you came from. Well, just good thing that this week here in a couple of days, we're going to be at the Springfield Sportsman Show in, in uh, Springfield, Massachusetts. Super excited for that. It's going to be a great show. I'm looking forward to it. There's some really cool things going on, some good people doing some great, great, great things. And uh, that will be a, a really badass show. And then we added to our weapon choir. Is that is that what it be? Re- Repertory? No, you got, I can't even say it. All right, never mind. So, bad. so anyways, we're going to be in New York on March 10th, 11th, 12th, and then we'll be in the Mohegan Sun Arena. Um, Expo Center. Yeah, same thing. The 25th, 26th, and 27th of March. So we got we do got some really good things I going on. I can't wait for Springfield. You, I know. Springfield's like our home show, right? Like a, well, or local to Mohegan's us. our home, home, home show, but Springfield's just that one that we grew up on. That show used to be one of my favorite shows. I mean, still is. Still is, yeah. It's 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 just a good one, you know. Whatever, it's all good. It's like what, the OG, the OG like of the sportsman OG. shows us. <clears throat> that it is. It, it it. I remember when it was like it was like the size of Harrisburg. It felt like it when you, well when you're ten <laughs> years old and it's three buildings. <laughs> it was pretty big. It was. It it definitely was, man. This week's been a really good week, though. Oh, great week. I mean, the, the I mean, got out shed hunting. Things I went up, are good. I went up and saw Seth in Rhode Island. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Yep. That was probably a blast. It was a blast. Um, Seth's about it's about an hour and fifteen minutes for me, and he wanted me to come up and try to film him kill a coyote. So you don't have to twist my arm. I jumped in the truck and headed up there, and unfortunately, we did not kill a coyote. But um, it was just really cool to. Check out the area where Seth lives and where he hunts. And I got, he took me around to all his farms that he hunts. And I mean, we didn't really walk around too, too much because mm-hmm. we were either just driving through or we were going to coyote hunt right. that farm. But it was really cool to just be able to see it because I'd seen, uh, we had shared aerial photos and stuff like that and e scouted together. But to actually see how it lays out, um, it's wild up there, man. It's like different world, coastal farmland. It reminded me a lot of Block Island, almost. Yeah, the like coastal farmland. So it's a lot of ag, not a lot of timber. 
almost everything butts up to water, mm-hmm. um, which was one of the reasons why we had a hard time coyote hunting because you got a lot of swirly winds and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But um, just beautiful country, beautiful country. Um, it was awesome. So that was a lot of fun. Plus, just to get to spend time with Seth. I think that was the coolest aspect for me, like when you had told me, because you had called me, and you're like, hey, man, I'm headed up to go see Seth. And I was like, oh, dude, that's badass. Like, yeah. dude, you're going to take the ride up there and go and hang out. And like, I think that's more or less to me what this was all about. Like, right. being able to go and hang out with those dudes yeah. and go and do those things. And like, you know, like us, we go shed hunting and hang out and go places and whatever else. But to bring those guys into that world and do those things with those guys is, is what's important to us, you know? Like, even like this coming up weekend, dude, just to spend time with the boys and in in Springfield and hang out and chat and bust balls and tell stories and the camaraderie. I mean, we're going to talk about that in the podcast too, but I, I mean, that's, that's just the best for me. Yeah. It really well, is. Well, Seth had apologized to me before he left. He's like, Oh, you know, I'm sorry. You drove all the way up here for nothing. I'm like, dude, it wasn't for nothing. Like no, the kill would just be a bonus, but right. You know, it wasn't a wasted trip by any means. No. And, it, and it's never a wasted trip. Like, like we talked about in the podcast, some of the worst things that you get into are some of the best, best memories that you make. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Like that, that's what it, that's what it's really all toes down to, bro. I want to talk about something though. Like, dude, you, you probably found your biggest set of sheds ever. 100%. Well, yes. Yeah. Yes. 100%. And I, dude, I was shaking when I found them to be honest with you. Really? Yeah. Because, you know, to break it down, when you shed hunt, what do you shed hunt for? Like, you're looking for potential shooter Shooters. bucks. You're looking for survivors. Mm-hmm. And um, some of the sheds that I've already found this year, believe it or not, every shed that I've found is from a buck I already know, I already have history with. Um, I already yeah. knew he survived from trail camera photos. Yeah. Which is still cool to pick them up mm-hmm. and build that history and build that story or whatever. But what... When I found these sheds, this is like 100% a buck that I will be pursuing next mm-hmm. year. And, um, I mean, that, that's what you do it for, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, the, you know, the feeling is so funny because I felt later that night when I was still like soaking it all in, I felt the same feeling. I felt like I punched a tag that day. Like I, sh- I shot a shooter buck t- that, that day <laughs> where like when you scoop other, other sheds, it's like, it's cool, but it's like a day you like you had a cool encounter with a buck and you passed them. But like right. the, these sheds were like, dude, I smashed one today. Like, that was it. That's yeah. that's the that is that is what it's. I think for me, like shed hunting is like punching that tag for sure. When you yeah. find that set that you're a either you're looking for or you find that are potentially that that deer for you for next year. Now it's time to put the pieces of the puzzle together, you know, to try and find that end result, man. Right. And, I mean, every shed is is a blast. Like, I love finding antlers. I love searching for them and going out there and doing it. But when you when you particularly put the pieces of the puzzle together after finding those sheds, that's what it's really all about. I, I mean, think, that's why we shed hunt. Right. I think the other thing, too, is, like, a lot of sheds that I find are decent deer this year right. that are going to be shooters next year right when you find a, a a set or a shed of a deer that would have been a shooter this year you he's definitely you know be you're on to something yeah. yeah so yep and they know that he made it through and and that's he's, that Yep, he's healthy so i'm i'm freaking pumped I, I like i didn't even have motivation to really go out today after finding him i felt like i blew my load yesterday but um, I still put in four miles today. Oh, yeah. So then today, me and Rip take a quick little walk. We were actually over here at the house. Um, I didn't really feel like going anywhere else. And 
I knew I had some looses out there because uh, I got a bunch of uh, sheds that I didn't match up. So I'm like, yeah, come on, Rip. Let's go see if we can uh, match up some of these sheds we found a couple weeks ago. So I'm standing there, and Rip comes walking over to me, and he's chewing on something. And at first I thought it was a rock, but he's Rip's not a rock chewer by any means. So right. I'm like, what the hell you got in your mouth? So Rip comes over. I reach in his mouth, take it from him. It's a freaking deer toenail. Like, uh, it's a hoof, but it's not like the whole foot. It's just like the, sh- what do you call it, like a sheathing? Like a, yeah. The, yeah. Just, just the toenail. Yeah, the toenail. <laughs> so I'm like, that's a freaking deer toenail. I'm like, where the hell did you get that? So I'm like, that's pretty cool. So I take it out. I take a picture of it. I'm sending it to the, you know, our group, group message yep. or whatever. Yep. Well, I'm not paying attention because I'm texting you guys like, look at this shit. Rip just found. All of a sudden, Rip comes back, and he had that look in his face like he wasn't chewing on it. You could tell he was, like, kind of hiding something. I'm like, now what do you got? You know, I'm like, get over here. So he comes over, and I reach in there. He's got another freaking deer toenail in his his mouth. So he found two deer toenails. I guess I didn't know it, but I guess Rip's got a toe fetish. A toe fetish. <laughs> but, uh, he's, a, he's a foot dog. So uh, <laughs> so I said, I'm like, where did you find that? You know, t- take me over there. So just, like. Freaking Lassie. Yeah. He's like, come on, follow me, Dad. <laughs> so I follow. There was about 100 yards away. I found, you know, there was a, a disruption in the leaves like you would normally find when, uh, right. a, with a coyote kill or whatever um, with some deer hair and stuff like that. But I didn't find any skeletal remains. I ended up, did I did find one, one bone, um, but couldn't find any more bones. I looked around because, you know, usually they kind of drag it off and you kind of fi- start finding a trail of bones. Yeah. And I didn't really find anything else. I didn't really spend a lot of time looking for it either. But first for me to have your dog bring you back two, 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 two deer toes. <laughs> yeah, well, at least he's sniffing. Yeah, that's, that's cool. Yeah, no, that's you, definitely. You never, you never know what you're going to find when you go in the no. woods, you know. No, I, I'm just, I'm just, you know, I'm gonna have to stay away from Rip because I, if he's got a foot fetish like that, I'm gonna, I'm a little bit worried about it. Yeah, you never know. You never you know. Watch that boy. Yeah, I, we were out. Uh, we went out yesterday. We shed hunted a bit. We, I wanted to get into one of these bedding grounds um, where I'm gonna. I had a lot of real good encounters. Uh, one real good buck. I really wanted to shoot real bad and. Uh, I went in there and tore that place up and it's just, it's just a weird spot. And I, and I knew going into it that there might not be a shed in there. I found an old, or Ruby found an old one and, uh, yeah, cause I don't shed hunt anymore. Now you have a dog, you don't, if you rely on the dog, you don't really shed hunt anymore. I, don't, I haven't found a shed in a while, uh, just because she does it all. But the, the thing, so we ended up finding an old shed in there and I just kind of put the pieces of the puzzle. There might be a shed or some sheds in there, but that whole bedding ground thing, it, it just it just capsulized what I needed to know yeah. for for the next year, and it just it was good, and it, it's not normal for me because a lot of the times I'm shed hunting, and I mean, dude, normally I'd have ten sheds, ten fifteen sheds by now, and I haven't really put in any time or effort into it, and now just kind of focusing on what I'm gonna do for next season. I mean, that's a your uh, your miles to shed ratio is pretty good. Yeah, right? I think I'm like so. I did we did two and a half yesterday. I'm probably between three and three to three and a half miles, and I've gotten three antlers. So yeah, one so one of my one shed I, per so, miles. Per yeah, so I'm probably I'm probably not gonna shed hunt much um, for the rest of the season because I want to just keep that ratio up. So when yeah. the guys go, how many sheds did you get? I got three, but the ratio was good. One mile per shed. Yeah, so that's, that's not bad. That's I'm doing good. I, right? I I run average over multiple years about one shed per 10 miles yeah and i mean i, I keep pretty I mean. good stats so that's that's really accurate 
Yeah, I, I mean, dude, I, I mean, I, I clock all my stuff. I still have all my stuff from probably 2018, 2019, uh, where I walked and what I did. But I used to shed hunt a lot of areas that you're not allowed. You're not allowed to hunt. There's no hunting in, and you're going in there trying to find bone, and yeah. you just, you know, Joshua Trust or preserve lands or whatever to try and find a pile of bones, and they, they weren't, they weren't huntable deer for me. And now, starting in the past couple of years, my shed numbers probably went down by like five or ten. But I'm still I'm finding more deer that I'm able to hunt and work on. I mean, dude, one of the properties I had never shed hunted, but I hunted real hard, which is kind of weird. And it's just because you're focusing your time in other places. But like, dude, I found eight sheds in that one fucking property. And you're like, last year. And I was like, oh, well, I probably should shed hunt here. And I probably should. I mean, I still hunt there a ton, but I just I never really, you know, shed hunted all that much. It's real tough. It's a, it's a tough area to do it, but. Whatever. I, I think after this week, I'll, I'll hit it a little bit harder. I think the, the whole shed hunting, non-huntable property, that's a good thing for somebody who's, like, just getting into shed hunting or doesn't find a lot of sheds and stuff like that. Because um, you kind of acquire an eye for it. You know what I mean? Like, it's really hard when you first start out shed hunting until you start finding them and seeing where you find them and what they look like laying in the leaves and all that stuff. Well, the thing, too, is that those areas have giant sheds in them. Right. I mean, I found some fucking monster sheds. I mean, we have a, I mean, we have an eight point that's 152 inches. Right. I mean, it's giant. It's number three in the state for 2022. I mean, it's a fucking giant. Um, and that's overall Northeast Big Buck Club. But that... And that was in a non-huntable area. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's Ruby's first match set. But, like, that's – it's – for me to hunt – the shed hunt those areas, that was just – personally, honestly, it was just for the dog. Right. Because I know that I'm putting in those miles and I'm putting her in a situation where I'm more opt to find sheds yeah, right. than to not find sheds. Um, but now that she's she's honed in a lot of her skills and she's doing a lot better as a, as a shed dog – um, I don't have to worry about that. Right, right, She's right. finding antlers in areas where it doesn't matter. At least I'm, you know what I'm saying? Um, I mean, dude, I mean, fuck, she matched up that one set this year right off the rip. Um, and then she found this one shed this year. I mean, she's, she's primarily getting into her groove. She's three and a half years old and she's getting to that veteran status where it's all just clicking. Like, you know, like the thing with her is, and my my training regimen was from a good buddy of mine, Rich Yellow Shed Dogs. I mean that. I mean he's got turtle and turtles probably found, fuck, dude. Turtles probably found close to two thousand sheds in its life. I mean turtle is probably one of the most savage shed dogs I've ever seen. Um, and our buddy Ryan has another one, has his his pup too, which is a phenomenal dog. But anyways, the regiment that I trained Ruby on is from from Rich, and it's a, I don't even know what to call it. I call it a risk and reward, but. Um, so you send the dog out, finds a shed, brings a shed back and they would normally give it a treat. Normally boiled chicken is what he uses in his regimen. Well, the thing with, um, with Ruby is Ruby's not food driven. So her drive is fetching. So that's when I went to a ball. So when she finds a shed, she, she gets to play fetch. Like that's her favorite thing being a lab. And there's a lot of dogs like that. There's a lot of drug dogs that are like that. Um, I was actually talking to one of our listeners, um, um, Mike, um, Mike Joseph, mm -hmm. and we were talking about, um, you know, cause he does bomb dogs and it's the same thing like squeakers, balls, so on and so forth. So that's the thing that Ruby is. That's her drive is, is a ball. So now before it was kind of like, all right, she gave me a, she'd bring me back a bone and it, I'd have to force it out of her mouth to try and get it from her. Mm. And then I would throw the ball and she would play fetch. Well, now that dog, 
comes right to me, drops that bone right in my thing, sits down, waits, and she wants her ball. She knows right away. So that that repetition, and it, it's really in her mind and instilling in her mind. But it's just fun to shed hunt with her like we talk about all the time. Like, I could care less if we find an antler. I really could at this point. Like, just having a pal with me in the woods yeah. and not walk alone and just being there. And I've always said it since the day I got her is I don't care if she ever finds a shed as long as she lives. It doesn't affect me. Like, right. it doesn't – I'll find the sheds. I'm not worried about that. But to to just be in the woods with your good pal, I mean, you have so much fun with your dog. I mean, dude, that poor dog couldn't even pick up those sheds. You wouldn't let him. <laughs> <laughs> I always let Rip scoop the sheds. No matter A what. A lot of times I see him before he of does. Of course. But I always stay back and let him find it for training reasons and all that stuff. These sheds, I said, Rip. Hold on, boy. These ones are mine. All right. I, I give you all the other ones. I want. I, I got to have my time, right? This is truth. So it was cool. But no, I absolutely agree. Like a lot of times rips my motivation to get out mm-hmm. of bed on a Saturday morning because I know he, he he can tell when I start getting my shed hunting gear together, he starts getting excited. He knows what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And I, I know that if I don't go, I'm, I'm disappointing him. Right. You know? Yeah, that's the th- same thing with me is, like, when, when the collar comes out and she knows that it's time to go somewhere and do something, she knows what she's going to do. She knows she's going to work. Right. I mean, it's the same with the gun dogs, man. When I was training d- gun dogs as a kid, I mean, when you when you pulled out the piece of orange, that dog knew what the hell was going on. And that dog, I mean, dude, I, my, I would piss off my mom, like, if I would get all my shit ready the night before and I would pull out the orange vest, my dog wouldn't sleep all night long just whine because she knew she was hunting in the morning. Then it's the same with Rue. I mean, if, if you pull out the, the collar, dude, she wants to go, and she knows that it is, and that's what she lives for, dude. That's a, The moose shed hunting is my favorite thing with her because that's, like, her forte. She's probably found more moose sheds than she's had white tail mm. sheds. Um, that's her That's her bread and butter. That's her thing. That's what she was trained on. That's what she was, she was built on, and it's just, it's just so much fun to be up there. When you're in the northern woods of Maine, I mean, I'm 75 miles from a piece of tar. I mean, it's... You're up there, and it's so surreal, and you're there with your best friend. I mean, that dog is, I mean, just like Rip is to you. I mean, that's that's my best friend. Oh, yeah. I, dude, the, if something was to happen to that dog, I, I don't know what I would do. I mean, that dog, I spent three years with her. Every waking moment, um, that dog goes everywhere with me. She does everything with me. So it's just, it's a crazy thing, but it's fun. I think it makes shed hunting, it makes me drive to go and do shed hunting more because it used to be just all about myself and finding numbers and piles. But to watch her work and do things, it just makes things a lot better for me, honestly, in the shed woods. So, speaking of that, though, real quick, um, just touch on it. Um, Devin's getting ready to have another litter. Yeah, that's what he was saying. So, we had a text um, message. If any of the before. listeners are interested in getting a puppy, I think. Uh, oh, what did he say? I think the litters due in April, and they're gonna be ready to go out in May. So. So, for you guys that don't know, um, that's Wild Prairie Gun Dogs. Um, if you want to get on, on that on that puppy list, um, just hit me up or hit up the Outdoor Drive um, podcast. Um, I can get you guys details. I'll get you connected with Devin, right. so on and so forth. That line is three-quarters Ruby's line. So, those dogs yep. are going to be in that 60-pound range. Um, that That is – so, it's the father. It's the top and bottom pedigree of – Mardix rip and it's three quarters of the line of my dog uh of ruby so it's a great line um they come from a very high driven um uh waterfowl home and also shed hunting so that's i mean that's what they're bred for is shed hunting and waterfowl hunting and they're phenomenal dogs i mean we've had them 
we've had them for some time now, and just the, the trainability on them is, is phenomenal. So if you guys want one, just reach out to us. Yeah, and, we'll get uh, you a hold of Devin. Devin, we'll get um, you pointing. Sarah's already been talking to him. It sounds like we're gonna get a chocolate female now. So <laughs> yeah, and that's that line. That's a so that's we me uh, Rip and Ruby are both reds. Um, but this litter is going to be a tricolor, so you could potentially have yellows, browns, blacks, uh, reds. Right. Um, well, we were originally supposed to get a. Cho- Sarah's always wanted a chocolate. Right. And we were looking and looking and looking, and then, you know, kind of fell into Devin with, you know, yeah, Rip's litter, and I talked her into the red, and we ended up with a Rip, but I still owe her that chocolate. So. Yeah. And I'm I'm, <coughs> I'm breeding Ruby and going to have reds, full reds. So we'll see what happens. Uh, speaking of shout outs and stuff, uh, let's get on over to Manish and have him tell us a story. Oi, you, yeah, you put down that mug of Joe and get your lips wrapped around one of these bad boys. That's right. Nor'easter game calls. Give it a blow. Nor'easter game calls. Get him in close. This winter, use Huntworth's Heat Boost products for impeccably warm body parts, guaranteed. Get more for less with Huntworth. New Era Archery, home of the Zeus Broadheads, as well as the Hera. Let the Zeus loose with New Era Archery. I would just like to thank our generous sponsors. Back over to you, Trevor. We thank you, man. I appreciate it, buddy. Thank you, the sponsors who keep us going. Um, we're going to add to that list here soon. Uh, we got a couple new sponsors that are going to hit the sponsors list that are standing behind the outdoor drive. Make sure to get on over to those guys' websites. Check them out. That time's, It's the time of the year to get your stuff, get it all situated, work on it in the backyard, play around with things, get your game calls, so on and so forth. Um, it's that time of the year. But, Bro, you got any Killer's Corner going on? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Hold on. What do you got? I don't know. I gotta get my phone out. I don't know. Come on, tell us. For this. All right, we got uh, David Cook with a couple more coyotes. He's killing it up there. He's always killing coyotes. Uh, Alexandra Fagan put up her first beaver. Congrats! Congrats! That's cool. Yep. And then Sean Finelli, uh, just he's new to the group. He posted up. Uh, did you see that picture? Of, the mule deer with the kid, right? With the two kids on the tail. Yeah, that was cool. And then uh, happy birthday, Nick Albanese. Yeah. Nicky Two Blades, I call him. <laughs> Nicky Two Blades. <laughs> Nick, the man from uh, New Era Archery. He is the owner and creator of the Zeus Broadheads. And today is his birthday. It's actually, I'm sorry, his birthday is February 20th, which is that's when we're actually recording. Yeah, so podcast land. Podcast land. I we have have another po- birthday. I, I say podcast land. And yeah. uh, Josh Brower. Yeah, Josh Brower had a birthday. And too. Colby. Colby. They have the same birthday. Did you know oh, No, I didn't. Yeah. I don't know who would ever want to share a birthday with Colby, but. Josh has no choice, so or share it with Josh. <laughs> I don't. Why would you? Never mind. It's all good. Um, let's break for a new security cruise. We'll get Mike Salter on the line. All right, guys. Why don't we buckle up and see what's going on in the world of news with Mr. Mike Salter? Hey everyone, we're going to start this one off in Michigan where the DNR has completed review of its seventh group of counties as part of the department's multi-year state land review process. The counties that were reviewed were Sheboygan, Crawford, Crawford, Eaton, Ingham, Jackson, Kalkaska, uh, Misaki, Muskegon, uh, Osceola, Otsego, and Ottawa. 
the DNR evaluated more than 30,000 acres across the counties to determine which properties meet the DNR's goals of delivering broad public access to quality outdoor recreation opportunities and also protecting uh, native and cultural resources or natural and cultural resources on those lands. Uh, all the parcels were placed into one of four categories. Uh, the first one is retain them because they are a good fit for the DNR's mission. Next is protect them through agreements with conservation partners, uh, trade them to consolidate stay in ownership, or make them available uh, for sale to the public through auction. The results of the evaluation has the DNR retaining 82% of the lands, offering to alternate conservation partners 3.1% of the lands, uh, exchange and trading 3.5%, and disposing through public auction 11.4%. Uh, now, good or bad, that's still 18% of public lands changing hands that you hunters, fishers, and trappers utilize. Uh, the DNR does have a state land review uh, interactive map where you can review the recommendations and submit comments. Uh, the public is also invited to participate in virtual meetings on March 1st and 2nd to share input on the outcomes of the review. So if you have if you hunt public land or utilize these public lands, in these counties, uh, you better see if those lands are being retained or not uh, and provide your comments. Now to Iowa, where the DNR's uh, Learn to Hunt program is offering a program to teach the skills needed to hunt, field dress, and cook wild turkey to adults with little or no wild turkey hunting experience. The two-part workshop is scheduled from 6 to 9 p.m. on March 9th and 16th at Olufsen Shooting Range near Polk City and will feature... Uh, instructors providing hands-on learning to build basic knowledge and skills of turkey hunting. Participants will learn about turkey hunting equipment, where to hunt, safe shooting practices, and how to field dress, prepare, and cook wild turkey. The course is designed for those 16 and older. Uh, cost $25 and space is limited, so early registration is recommended uh, through the DNR's website. Now to Vermont and some moose hunting opportunity. The Fish and Wildlife Department has again proposed additional moose tags for WMUE in the northeastern corner of the state. Uh, this is due to the continued effort to reduce the moose population in that particular area in order to reduce the impact of winter ticks on moose in that area. Uh, the department has proposed 180 permits for WMUE, uh, and the proposal was given initial approval by the Vermont Fish and Wildlife Board at its February meeting and is now available for public comment. The, propo the proposal is to issue 80 either sex and 100 antlerless permits for the October seasons with the expected harvest of 100 moose or about 10% of the population in that WMU. Uh, the 2023 moose harvest recommendations and information uh, about the ongoing moose study are available at Vermont Fish and Wildlife's website. Uh, and comments on the proposal can be provided through March 31st by emailing anr.fwpublickcomment at vermont.gov. Now to Wyoming uh, and the 2023 Super Tag drawing, uh, which raised $1.87 million for wildlife conservation. Uh, Fish and Games saw a record-breaking number of tickets sold this year uh, with ele for 11 chances to get a license uh, for the state's premier big and trophy game this year uh just shy of 145,000 tickets were sold which was a 15 percent increase uh from last year and to date the program has raised over 11 million dollars uh for top conservation issues winners will chase uh 10 species this fall 
And for those interested, raffle tickets are now available for the 2024 drawing. And those will be sold through January 31st of next year. Now to Nebraska, where Nebraska Game and Parks will be hosting fly tying workshops in March. These workshops will be held on March 8th from 6 to 9 p.m. and March 12th from 2 to 5 p.m. at the Nebraska Outdoor Education Center in Lincoln. Uh, the workshop is open to new and experienced tires and costs $10 per session, which will include all tools and materials needed. Partic participants will have the opportunity to tie four to six flies, uh, and different uh, variations of flies will be introduced at each of those sessions. Uh, for more information or to register, go to calendar.outdoornebraska.gov. Lastly, for all you Summit Climber folks, uh, Summit has just released a recall notice. Uh, the recall notice is for the Summit Viper Level Pro SD climbing tree stand, which was released in January 2022 and sold through October 2022. Um Anyone with these stands needs to discontinue use immediately and return, that, return them to the manufacturer for a full refund. Summit will arrange for the stands to be returned at no cost to you. Uh, and for more information on returns and refunds, you can go to www.summitstands.com slash recall dash notices. So stay safe out there and get those stands returned. As always, if you have anything to send to me, uh, it would be greatly appreciated. Reach out to me at Mike Salter on Facebook or Bearded underscore Bowhunter21 on Instagram. And with that, enjoy the rest of your ride. Appreciate you, Mike. Thanks for that. And uh, Bowhunters United will get with you guys, as we had talked about. Uh, I think that they're going to sponsor that segment um, and kind of keep you guys all informed of what's going on in the news in the world today. Uh, speaking of the news in the world today, uh, should we get on over? Let's get uh, Craven Wild on the phone. This yeah. is a good podcast. This is definitely a good one. So let's get the Dan and the boys on the podcast here. Send it. How we doing, guys? What's going on? Doing good. Everyone's alive over there? Everything's good? No technical difficulties? No, we're, I'm good over here, yeah. All right. That's good. You guys sound great. You guys have great voices, by the way. Well, that's why we do podcasts, not video, because you don't want to see what we look like. <laughs> you have the voice for radio? Is that what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll take it. We'll it's take like what we can get. It's like Howard's turn. <laughs> well, yeah, anything anything you want to give us, man, we're good. Yeah, but he's famous now. That's why he has video. Oh, that's true. Yeah, we don't have – we don't. We got like three hoodies, $27 to our name. <laughs> the story of my you life, got dude. some fire hoodies, though. I will <laughs> yeah. tell you that. I'm jealous of that heat, I appreciate that. that heat transfer. I got to look into that yeah. stuff. I love the new logo. But it's I, sick. I talked to somebody else about that, and they said that that's like literally 1914 technology. So I don't. We might have got bamboozled. <laughs> I can't, I'm not sure. <laughs> Straight bamboozled. That's some cricket ass shit. Someone's doing it in their basement. Is what's going on with that? that that's what, that's 100 percent what's going on. That was the process after they were uh, branding cattle. They decided to <laughs> brand a hoodie <laughs> with heat transfer, and, and then came screen printing. <laughs> Well, I, as you guys might know, is when you do something like this and you start this endeavor or whatever, trying to be like an entrepreneur or whatever, you're going to throw darts at the wall and some things are going to stick. And then some of them you're like, oh, man, why did I even think of that? That is the dumbest thing I ever tried doing in my entire life. I failed <laughs> Sometimes epically. you just totally missed the wall. Like sometimes <laughs> you just missed the wall. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we, missed, again. <laughs> before we missed the wall, why don't we put this thing in overdrive? Why don't you guys start from the top, tell everybody who you are, where you're from, and what you guys do. All right. Well, I guess I'll start. I'm Dan Smeltz. I started the whole Craving Wild idea, I don't even know, 2001, I think, and just kind of been 
slowly, progressively moving along and picking up guys throughout the way. And you'll hear their, you know, their intros here shortly. But yeah, I'm Northeast PA bound, been hunting my whole life. Um, just love the outdoors and love doing anything and everything in the wild. That's kind of where the Craving Wild name came from. You know, you know, if you crave it and it's in the wild, we kind of, we want to be there. So in a short, just form, that's pretty much who I am and the, the, the quick Craving Wild uh, story. All right, what's up, guys? Uh, I'm Kevin Rogers. I am everything that Dan is not. <laughs> I was born and raised in New York City, Staten Island. I didn't touch a bow. I didn't even, no hunting in the family, no nothing. Didn't touch a bow until last year. But once I did, I was hooked. And the word Craven Wild, when I heard it, it's exactly how I'm feeling every day right now. I'm just, I just want to get outdoors. I want to get my family involved. I got three kids. I don't want them on video games all day and all that shit. So, I mean, everything that name says, I'm just feeling it. Like, I want to go, we went ice fishing. I want to go ice fishing. We go, whatever we do. I want to be there. I love this lifestyle, man. Uh, this was my first true year of hunting. Last year, I gave it a go. I didn't really understand it. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Luckily, um, I fell into a job where Dan was, and and he he just been guiding me ever since. So it, it's been uh, been a ride this last year, to say the least. And uh, I'm happy to be a part of it. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Uh, my name is Antonio Plas. I um actually from south america born and raised down there and i moved to the states in 2001 and i grew up in the in the wild too man uh dan calls me the venezuelan redneck uh, <laughs> uh i think i'm one of a kind because i don't know any other no, Venezuelans. you are you are there's no thinking you are <laughs> i don't think there's another venezuelan that i know that likes what i like uh, I was born, uh, my grandfather had a big farm down in Venezuela, so I was born going to that farm a lot, and I hunted since, I got photos of, of me hunting when I was five, or, you know, whales and little birds, stuff like that, and, you know, I've been doing it since. Um, now I live here in Northeast PA, and uh, got a little girl, and yeah, anything that's outdoors, man. I like to do it. Uh, everything, anything. Uh, I do a lot of fishing, a lot of hunting. Uh, but you know, any any excuse I can get to be outside will be the the perfect thing for me. And uh, that's how I met, you know, Dan five years ago. I think now five or six years ago. It's been a while. Yeah, and we uh, we've been talking to hunting together, but we're very good when we're not together. <laughs> <laughs> we have a streak yeah. um, that we call it's called the we, we call it the BTS now because it's a break the streak is what we're trying to do <laughs> and every time Antonio and myself are together nothing dies nothing happens <laughs> but when we're separate like all we do is kill stuff yeah so we're trying I don't know what it is but when we're together it just cannot seem to happen for us <laughs> it's horrible <laughs> we got good stories though there's nothing wrong with that though as long as you guys are getting it done, it doesn't have to be together <laughs> as much as you want it to, right? Right, right. So we do have a fourth guy. He wasn't able to make it on because he was, he's been working all day. Um, Eddie Kaiser, he's pretty much been hunting his whole life, too. He was he grew up in, like I guess I would call that South Central PA mm -hmm. and uh, ended up moving up towards me and was a bow tech uh, down the road for me. And that's where we met from shooting bows and stuff. 
And uh, so, yeah, he's part of it. He's like the resident trapper for us and uh, the bow tech guy uh, and just a, a, you know, a plethora of knowledge when it comes to pretty much anything hunting related. So, so why, I wish he was on, but yeah, I know we could have talked trapping the whole time. You guys wouldn't have had anything to say. You guys didn't get that out of your system <laughs> in aisle seven yeah. of the Harrisburg show. No, they were walking away from each other when they started talking about it. Actually, yeah. Yeah. he was with us at the show. Yeah, he yeah. wouldn't shut up the whole ride about you. It's like you fell in love again. It was crazy. <laughs> well, tell him this: I'm up to 39 beavers and six otters. So, damn. Oh, he's one beaver, one otter. He's uh, he finally caught his otter. Oh, he got it. He got. Oh, it. I was, yeah, was going to ask I that. Did he that get it? Yes, he... yesterday was it? Yep. Today, yeah, uh, Saturday. Yeah, I don't know I, what today is. I oh, saw it on awesome. your story. That's so cool. Yeah, he man. finally finally got it. We did we did a whole episode on it. It'll be out uh, Tuesday, I believe. So that's tomorrow. That's sick. Because he had said that he had put a bunch of people on otters, but he just hadn't gotten his yet. So. Yeah, he was so focused on you know getting his dad one, his buddies, and his buddy dad got one, and then he's kind of just sitting in the back like, "Yo, like when's my time? Like when's it my time to catch one?" <laughs> when I'm the guy putting everybody on him. Yeah, he does all the work. You know, he was running cameras and all that stuff and, and scouting and, and all that. And, you know, put, telling the guys where to put the traps and everything. Jeez. Well, at least he got it, man. It's not an easy animal to catch, but at least he got it. Hell, hell yeah. So hell wh- yeah. why don't you dive into exactly what Craving Wild is um, for those that probably don't know or haven't listened to your podcast or seen your videos or what what might have you. Right. So we're obviously we're just starting. So there's we don't have a ton of content right now out. Um, it's basically an outdoor media company is what I would just call it. We're going to be heavy in podcasts um, and YouTube and Instagram. So Antonio is a professional photographer. He didn't say that. I don't think. No, I did. Um, so he's going to be, you know, he does phenomenal photo work. And then, uh, you know, as a group, we're going to be doing uh, YouTube videos for hunting, fishing, uh, overlanding and camping and then we're going to mix it all together and pretty much you know incorporate that into the food aspect of what craving wild is so that's what the craving came from which was like you know you're just craving something and you know when you're hungry you're craving food uh and the wild was just obviously anything in the wild so like that's kind of the the mix on the craving wild Mm -hmm. uh we're going to try and do a food portion to every video we do or kind of incorporate that some way shape or form because that's a way that you can get through to Pretty much everybody, right? Like everybody's when you start talking food, everybody's interested. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's a way so to yeah, a man's heart right through their stomach. Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, we're coming for your heart, boy. <laughs> 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 but uh, yeah, I mean, it's we're we're just gonna kind of be everywhere. Nothing particular. Obviously, it's gonna be heavy in the hunting because that's what we do most of the time. What we prepare for most of the time. But we're we're gonna be sprinkling in a lot of other things too. I think it's awesome. I think it's a great platform. I, I it's kind of you kind of like put everything that you could right into one into one entity where the food, the hunting, the fishing, I mean when you put it all together like that. You know like cuz you have some there's some content creators that are just just strictly hunting or strictly bow hunting or you know what I'm saying or but strictly one species or one species, or, yeah. yeah. But to put the food that's, aspect into it, I think that's huge. That's yeah. exactly not want to get sucked into like the northeast bow hunters the northeast fish like we wanted it to be open-ended i mean mm-hmm. anything you know outdoor you can cook it how you can cook it all that stuff is going to be covered as best we can now kevin aren't you you're a cook yourself aren't you yeah i grew up in a kitchen man my mom owned a catering business uh, my whole life and uh i grew up in a kitchen and ended up in the hvac world but um 
I've been I've been cooking a long time, and that, that was another thing that kind of sucked me into the hunting aspect of it. Uh, I never really fully broke down an animal, never did the whole process through, and man, that's addicting. So, that, that, so how that, did you get into that? Like, like did Dan show you how all this works? Like, as a newer hunter, like where did you get this whole learning how to do it, or even the 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 jump or the drive to even want to do it? So I was out on COVID leave. And good old uh, Steve Ronell was on Netflix. <laughs> and I was just watching the hunting show um, with that uh, meat eater. And then hearing like Rogan talk about it and all these other guys, I kind of piqued a little bit of interest. But then uh, when I walked into work, I was with Dan and three other guys who were uh, just avid hunters. They love it. And uh, I said, man, I'd really like to start bow hunting. And like three heads popped up. Like, like when you see deer on the side of the road, their heads just pop up. And they were all just like, what do you want to do? And Dan kind of just took me under his wing, man. Every, everything I killed went, you know, Dan walked me through the process of everything. And uh, it's been, I mean, within a week, I think there was a bow sitting on my desk at work. And then a sight, then a release. And then this guy telling me how I'm going to shoot it. Uh, a lot of bumps and bruises along the way, but a lot of help from a lot of friends. So uh, once I started shooting properly and everything else it was just it was an addiction after that man I, I love shooting in the yard and then my first kill was this year and that was uh the shakes you you guys know yeah. <laughs> i mean there, there there's no way to describe that feeling and like i said uh, I, i'm hooked and then and then the whole cooking aspect of it tying it all together i mean dan showed me how to butcher a deer we're still working on that that's going to take a while but i mean he can cut open he can cut up a deer in probably a half an hour it's it's amazing and, uh, yeah, he's just been walking me. He's been really patient with me. Um, I've just been asking questions. He's been helping me out. and it, It's been a process, but uh, I'm lucky to have the people I do. Dan, what was some of, like, the trials and tribulations that you had to go through trying to teach a new hunter? Uh, how long do you want this podcast? <laughs> Spit it, bro. <laughs> I think that's an insult to Kev. I'm sorry, bro. <laughs> no, it's not, man. That's why I'm here, dude. That's why I'm here. Because I ask questions that these guys don't because I'm so raw. <laughs> Kevin's been great. Like, Kevin's been probably the greatest student one could ever ask for because he's, he's willing to ask questions and he's willing to, like, just go, oh, okay, I guess that's just how we're going to start doing it. And, uh, you know, and he's really receptive to what you say. And he he tries new things too. Like he just doesn't do exactly what you say. Like he's willing to, you know, go off and, and you know, something he might learn on a YouTube or another podcast or something and, and be like, Oh, well, what about this? Like he's, you know, constantly trying to throw into the conversation as well. Mm -hmm. Um, which shows that he, you know, he's willing to learn. He's not just trying to go kill a deer, and, you know, have you take care of it and do all that stuff. Like he's, he's constantly learning and trying to evolve and, and, and become that, you know, what kind of all of us are in our, I don't know what you want to call it in your hunting career, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it, it, for me, it's been awesome because we get so enamored with like inches and all that stuff. And you're trying to, your whole season is based around, you know, trying to change. Dan, you cut out. You hit the mute button. Mic drop. I have my thing on silent. Um, so for, when Kevin first came to me to do it, I was like, like I've always wanted to um, teach somebody, uh, you know, from the start. And I didn't really know how to get through to 
younger kids. And I just don't have the patience for younger kids, to be honest. And and so it was a perfect opportunity when Kevin came came into this whole idea of hunting, and it really brought me. Back, it was refreshing for me because it brought me back to the basics mm-hmm. of you know just the most simple things of like when just walking through the woods, how to walk through the woods quietly, what you're looking for, where the deer are supposed to be, where you you know where you're going to set up a stand, how you set up a stand, if you're in a stand. Um, you know, the tools and equipment that goes with everything, like breaking down a shot, like an archery shot, like how you're supposed to stand, how you're supposed to draw, when you're supposed to draw, all that stuff. So, you know, we can go on and on and on for hours and just like how we, we went about it. But it's been, like I said, so refreshing for me just to take that step back and get away from like the, the pressures of just constantly and continually chasing, um, you know, big deer or big bears or whatever it is that you're going after, like target species and, and going after the, you know, the, the, the bigger things um so yeah for me it was just just refreshing it was just a, a refreshing step back and you know the size of the antler didn't matter like we were just whacking and stacking does and butchering them and, and and doing that whole process of cooking and stuff like that so for me that's that's what it was was just like that that breath of fresh air yeah i, I think I, I think i think uh it's good to go back to the basics when you when you're trying to teach somebody new uh i had similar experience with a friend of mine that's trying to hunt again and just going out with new people, it put back into perspective things that I don't think anymore. Like he said, walking in the woods. You have to know how to walk in the woods. It's a lot of people are like, really? There's not just walking? I'm like, no, no, there's a way to walk in the woods. And you can tell who's been you know, walking or hunting all his life just by taking him outside for a little bit. You're like, oh, he knows you know, what to do. But I, I agree with you that teaching somebody new is so good because, again, you you revive the basics of everything that we do that we don't pay attention to no, no more. It's just naturally comes. Yeah. You don't even think about it. Anymore. Yeah. Just and Antonio had a, a guy too, a new guy that you've been yeah, taking yeah. out hunting. So yeah, you're it's, it's different. It's, it's, it's fun. It is. Yeah. Just to bounce off you guys real quick. I just want to say like, you're talking about walking through the woods. I remember going down to Delaware and we kept getting out of the car and I would just keep slamming the door. <laughs> <laughs> and Dan's, Dan's head would turn so hard, man. Finally, <laughs> he just, finally, he just looks at me and he's like, dude, you got to stop shutting the fucking door. <laughs> that, that's so funny because growing up, that's probably the first thing you learn from your mm-hmm. old man when you grow up. Honey. Oh, he's yeah. Like, you do that three times and you're, you'll never do it again because your dad's going to beat yeah. your That's ass. That's Kev. He's never going to do that ever again. It's so no, man, I, I shut my door in front of my house like a, like a kid. <laughs> it's crazy, though, because like in all reality, like all of us, we, I guess we take it all for granted. Yes. I know like me and, and Dan, Antonio, and, and Steve taking that stuff for granted because you're like – you know, you would talk to someone and like even us being on podcasts, you know, not that we're like crazy senior veterans or anything. I mean, we all have a lot to learn and, you know, we learn every single day, but like people look up to us to, for our advice sometimes. And I think that we take that stuff for granted where we're just like, what do you mean you don't know what dough bedding is? What do you mean you don't know yeah. the sign that you're looking for? What do you mean? Like, like, are you an idiot? You know, like that's what we think yeah. in our heads kind of sometimes you're like, why do I have to explain this? But nobody ever explained it to them. It was yeah. explained to us at a young age. We don't remember it being explained to us, but it was always just it just worked into where we just knew what that stuff was. And a lot of yeah. people that just get into it don't know. The difference is yeah. it was embedded in you guys. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. not like it was explained. This was like you 
parade this way. So like, it's just I, there's zero hunting in my family. Mm. Right. So it it just wasn't a thing. I lived in the city. The, the most woods I had was a twenty yard tree line between residential houses <laughs> and a and a golf course. Right. Do, so I mean, yeah. Do you think that that adds a different perspective as far as when you're trying to build content or grow the Craving Wild business? Like, do you think that this adds a different dynamic to it? Yeah, I do. I do a lot. I think this is this actually adds a dynamic that most I think brands don't have is like that new hunter who's willing to learn. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm very excited about that. Uh, just the way. Sometimes Kevin will ask me a question I don't even know how to answer because it's in my brain it's so basic and I gotta take a step back and go how the hell am I gonna answer this question? Like, I don't <laughs> even, yeah, you know, and and it's like we, I mean, all of us have probably been hunting what 20, 25, 30 years, mm-hmm. so we have you know twenty, thirty years of trial and error to make our answers what they are. Whereas Kevin is just kind of like yeah, you know, asking questions as if you know a normal day. Yeah, and uh. I think I think Kevin is gonna have to uh, he, when he, when he asks a question he's gonna have to take it with like a grain of salt because we can answer them but unless he puts it on to, to the test and he makes his own errors he it's like, so situational yeah mm-hmm. it's so it's so situational too because this guy that I took hunting this this time I I took him waterfowl hunting and I told him it's like you're gonna be quiet you're gonna be not moving and when I tell you to shoot you're gonna get up and shoot. Because we're not going to have enough chances, especially here in the Northeast. The waterfall is not very good uh, in a lot of the days. And we got finally some sort of live bird drop in. And I'm like, shoot. And he goes, now? And I'm like, no, yeah, right. Get up and shoot. Like, like, I said it with such a like, don't be an idiot. Just shoot. But I, because it was like a moment thing. I was like, shoot it. He goes, right now? I'm like, yeah, get up and shoot. (laughs) <laughs> and 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 he was like oh like he, he felt like i was being like maybe like an asshole but i was ju- it, that's so normal for us yeah for right. if i say shoot you know what to do yeah there's no questioning mm-hmm. so so he, i think i think the best thing that 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 kevin has is learning everybody's seeing how he learns which you know it's it's going to be a basic for every, everybody's going to be like oh i remember doing that when i was a kid yeah you know closing the door and to answer your question too, Trev, like, it, so he's going to be able to tap into anybody who wants to get into hunting. Mm-hmm. So that's a huge, yeah. um, you know, benefit for us is the fact that we have a new guy on our team that can relate to the people, and then that we can build content to help new hunters from a new hunter's point of view, not from somebody who's been doing it for thirty years. So yeah. that's that's kind of why I tapped into it so hard because I think it's so important for the new hunters because there's a lot of people that listen to podcasts to learn, right? And all of us are mm-hmm. kind of naive to that and we just talk about all these extravagant techni- techniques and this and that and we expect everybody to know, but I think it's so important for people like yourself, Dan, or me, or Steve, or whatever, like when I bring a youth out hunting, to go back to those basics like Antonio was saying, how important it is to make yourself a successful hunter in the long run to go back to those basics and remember them. As, I mean, even as simple as going bluegill fishing, I mean, just to remember yeah. where you came from and how it all started for you is a huge, mm-hmm. huge thing. Because like when I go like, yeah, okay, I'm a professional fisherman for a living, right? We catch giant fish, been catching giant fish my entire life. Like, you know, and then you go back to pumpkin seed fishing with the kids and and you then remem- remind yourself why you do it, what it was all about, 
You know what I'm saying? Because you get so sucked into chasing big deer and chasing big fish mm-hmm. and killing piles of waterfowl. But when you go back to the basics and you just realize it, you don't get so you, – you just get taken back. It's, it's just a humbling moment. And I think it's it very it important. It makes it fun again. Yeah. And, and I think it's so important. You know, we all get so caught up in – you know, all this craziness that we see on TV and stuff, but you got to just remember where you came from. I mean, it's, you got to always humble yourself because if you don't, you're never, you're not going to learn anything neither. Even as, as a veteran hunter, you're not going to learn anything if you don't humble yourself. Yeah. I mean, it's just not going to, because you're going to think you know everything. So, yeah, that's true. Do you guys have kids? No, no kids. No, nope. no kids. Well, I, I, I just, last year, I just taught my daughter a what? trying to teach her how to fish and the bluegill fishing is it's wonderful mm-hmm. just by by just going to what you just said about the field we try to take my daughter on the boat and she has a blast now she she likes to catch him without anything on the hook just the hook just because she can now <laughs> and then she like grab hot dogs and we make uh dough uh just little like little flower bait for her for, for the for the blue uh for the bluegills and she's like, well, let's make it pink today and blue today. I'm having a blast just with that. Mm-hmm. And just seeing her start from the beginning, it's, 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 it's a thing better than, you know, than mm-hmm. anything that I could imagine by doing, just going back to that basic, basic stuff. Even though I didn't have bluegills in Venezuela. But you know what I think the fish. best part is now that I've actually had time to think about what you what were yeah. asking is seeing the reaction from somebody who doesn't have like a preconceived oh, yeah. notion of what the reaction is supposed to oh, be. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. 100%. That's like getting so excited for shooting a doe or getting so excited for catching a bluegill, getting so excited just for seeing a duck in the air. Yeah. You know, for us, like we have the, the bar is so high for us uh, and, and, and being able to take that bar back down, like you said, Trev, like back to reality, like go back to like humble, you got to humble yourself. You do. Um, that's like one thing I'll never forget oh, is the conversation. I sorry, buddy. No, you're good. Um, one thing I won't forget is the conversation. Well, kind of the conversation that me and Kevin had after he just shot a deer, because I was, I don't even think he was speaking English at the time. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, like it was just, just you, like just rattled, just so rattled and so excited, and you know his adrenaline was through the roof, and I was just like, I, I'm rapid firing questions, like you know, like basic stuff that we would ask for yeah. like where are you shooting him yeah where did you hit him what's the reaction which way did it run did you hit the deer and every answer was i don't know uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I had no uh, idea actually i don't know <laughs> how did it sound so, what, what's it supposed to sound like i don't know <laughs> yeah. i don't know so yeah that, that that's one thing that's been cool too is like is that like yeah once again that whole just getting back to the to the basics and and the the, the pure raw excitement yeah, so we had – so I bring use out every single year turkey hunting. And, and turkey hunting's like one of those things because it's such a high adrenaline hunt anyways to begin with, like talking back and forth with the birds. They're coming, this, that, and the other thing. The birds start strutting, this, that, and the other thing. So I have one junior hunter that I bring out. I've been bringing him out. I think it's my third year with him. And um, he had had some jakes come in, but he wanted a tom. So – the two Jakes came in. We had them gobbling. They were doing crazy things. He ends up passing the Jakes. He wants a Tom, you know, because he shot Jakes before. So he wants a Tom. So so we um, we then moved on and tried to get a Tom to come in again. And 
that Jake came in and he was gobbling so hard and we're like, do you want to shoot him? He's like, I think I do. And he shot that thing. <laughs> and, and it was just like the most surreal thing. He just like lost it. And, and it was just like, it brought me back to that time. Like when I was a kid and you're just like, <laughs> like, you know, cause you just like lose it, dude. And I still lose it, but not to that level, but you still, yeah. you still lose it. And it's just, and you can't replicate that no. feeling. No way. No. There's, like, there how would you explain there. that, Kevin? Like, that feeling. How do you explain that feeling that we're trying to talk yeah. about? Man, I, I can't. I can't explain that. Like, I had no, I had completely damn near blacked out first <laughs> shot I took. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No idea. And then when I took the shot, three other deer that I didn't know existed popped up. So it was like that game when, when, the, when the ball's underneath the cup. And they're just moving around. So it's like, which way, <laughs> which way did the deer run? I'm like, I have no idea. Four of them. And then, like, I mean, and then that the first deer happened so quickly that I, the next time, I had a really slow encounter where the shakes really kicked in. And, and that I, I can't explain. I mean, the shakes are something that is, I mean, it takes all the heat out of your body. Mm. You go numb. I mean, I, I've never, I've never been that. I didn't. I don't know. Nervous, scared, whatever that feeling was. I want it again. I need a monster to come by. Like yeah. that's what I was chasing the rest of the year. That feeling because it was like a slow encounter, and, and then it was, it was yelling at me and shit. And I was just like, what the fuck is going on? Like <laughs> it, it was just, it was crazy, man. I, I was just shaking to my core, like. I'm about to kill this thing, and and I didn't even get a shot off on it. I, I'll t- as your career that- slowly gets, you know, not better, but as your career goes on and you start to chase bigger and bigger and bigger, bigger deer, it that feeling just magnifies times ten. I don't know how many times in my life that I've been in a tree stand and I literally have to take a second and go. All right, I'm not having a heart attack. <laughs> like you literally think that you're having yeah. a heart attack, man. Like, yeah, you do. And this is for a doe. That <laughs> this was like your everyday doe. I'm not talking about yeah. an eight pointer. I'm yeah. talking about a deer, a regular deer. <laughs> a I regular think, just round fuzzy deer. Just a four legged creature. Yeah, I, that's this, it, man. The, I, I even get like that with does, though. Like when you see them, and the thing with that is like. If they just pop out of nowhere, I'm good. Like draw, shoot. All right, I lose my my shit. Mm-hmm. Like I, the adrenaline still goes. If I have to watch that thing more than 15 seconds, dude, I'm the, oh, I, yeah. I'm a mess, bro. I'm just like That's hey, what it hey, was. Hey. I'm like drooling like a lost puppy. Like <laughs> I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm like, oh, I have to kill this thing. I don't know. And isn't it go. wild? Like if you don't have a doe tag, you don't shake at all. But <laughs> once you like, once that thing in your head clicks, like oh, I gotta kill. Like I'm gonna kill this or try yeah. to. Like you just completely lose. Like your brain power. Well, how about Marduk yeah, when you right. were filming? He didn't. Marduk, oh. Marduk didn't even have a tag. Well, I had a tag, but I. Oh I yeah, well I'm saying he yeah. wasn't. Yeah, he wasn't. It was my first. It was actually my first time filming. I was filming for Trev, and a doe came out, and I'm like, oh my god, I'm gonna. Trev's gonna shoot this doe, and I have to film it. Dude, I swear to God, I was you shaking was like a little bit. I was so worried I was going to mess it up or I wasn't going to hit record. And then Trev ended up missing the dough, anyways. Hey, buddy, I get those shakes every time before I shoot. So. <laughs> and I'm doing this for like 10 years already. <laughs> I, the thing, like he, so he's filming 
And I'm, you know, I'm like, oh, okay, he's filming me. I got to shoot this doe. 21 yards, dude, right over the top of its back. Like, just adrenaline oh. was going. Like, you're just like, all right, it's all coming together. He's filming. I'm shooting. Here it comes. Oh, fuck, I missed. <laughs> <laughs> so much pressure he on looks, each other. He looks at me. I look at him. He thinks I don't know if he thought I was gonna be mad or something because it was one, one. I took him to one of my spots. I'm laughing. I'm like, dude, I'm just so glad you're the one that fucked it up and it wasn't me. <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> oh, that's. Boring. I can't wait to take Kevin turkey hunt because he's gonna come unglued with the oh, yeah. oh. hammer in your face. Yeah, I'm not shot. I've very rarely shot a gun in my life. So. Dude. I'm super stoked Tur- about turkeys. Turkeys were made for getting shot in the face. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I hear. Big red <laughs> orvises jumping through the woods. You, you, Dan, what you need to do is make sure you have a GoPro like in his face at all times. Like, you know how like the, oh yeah, you know how like the they have like the harmonica um things where you, they put the harmonica on on your shoulders and then you just go down <laughs> and you pick it up. You need to put a GoPro yeah. on it and it just is right in Kevin's face the whole entire time just for reaction purposes. <laughs> that would yeah. be fantastic. I just want to see his face when the gobbler is just going at it for 13 minutes and he doesn't come close enough. <laughs> then he has to do it 17 more times. <laughs> Or the thing That's is, the worst. yeah. You know what I do to what I do to my friends when they when they turkey hunt with me. Like I'll call the bird in, and it will be in shooting range, thirty yards, twenty yards, right? And I just tell them, no, no, not yet, not yet. Hold on, not yet. <laughs> just keep them coming. We get them at like seven yards. All right, shoot them in the face. <laughs> <laughs> It's the most That's messed fantastic. up. I'm going, I'm going with him. <laughs> yeah. That's fantastic. Oh, dude, Trev gets on the bird, man. You guys are just bird killers. <laughs> so there's this dude, uh, Justin. Um, actually, I met him through uh, – he hunted the same property as me. And this past season, uh, the game wanted to go out turkey hunting with me. And I, I was like, all right, cool, man. We're going to go hunt the same property. There was a couple birds there. I had been watching the birds. I was really excited to kill those birds. Um, so I called this turkey in opening morning, comes down this hill, comes right in, right to the decoy, man. I put this thing at like 10 yards and he, he shoots and he misses it. Okay. His adrenaline was going so much and I'm yelling, shoot again, shoot again. And he ends up shooting the decoy and the decoy spins on the thing. (laughs) But like, but like when you do it, man, and like, like I said, I call him in as close as I can possibly get him. I mean, I put that decoy at five yards and I want him to come to that thing. I want him in your face. Like when he, when he gobbles, I want the hair on your back to stand up, man. Like just let him come. They're stupid. They're dumb, man. They're the only animal in the world that will literally die trying to breed. I mean, they don't care at all costs, whatever it takes to breed, they don't care. And they will, they will die just trying to breed. I mean, they're they're worse than the male human. I'm telling you, definitely way worse. They really are, and you still can't. And it, what's frustrating is they're so stupid, but you still can't kill them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the truth. So frustrating. It is. I can't wait for. There's no rhyme or reason. Me too. I'm getting excited now that we're talking about it. <laughs> it gets me going, man. It really does. Kev, you'll understand soon. I promise. <laughs> yeah, I, it's hard. It's hard. I have no idea, but like. I'm really excited for it. I'm just waiting for the questions, and I'm just going to go, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it was supposed to happen, but yeah. I didn't. Is I it know. coming? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> if I knew the answer, it would already be dead. <laughs> yeah. Just just remember something, Kevin. If Dan or me says shoot, you shoot. Don't say yeah. now. I, ro- I wrote that down earlier. <laughs> <laughs> oh, funny story. Back to going to when Kevin 
decided he wanted the bow hunt. He originally wanted the hunt with a recurve, and everybody was like, so you don't want to kill anything. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> and he just looked at us like, what, what do you mean? I, I think he understands that now. <laughs> I do, yeah. <laughs> but honestly, you know, it's, 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 it's funny that you bring that up. If you start off trying to do something and trying to push yourself to those limits with that um, with that weapon, you're going to make yourself successful. It's just That was my thought process. And it, it's going to be harder, but you're going to do it. I mean, like, look at – we have a friend, Kendall. Um, this dude literally – he hunts only with a recurve. He shot in the last 11 years mm-hmm. nine elk. He shot his doll sheep with it. And literally will only pick Dude. up a recurve. But he's never shot a compound he's in his life. He's never shot a compound in his life. And he just makes no, when, it. When did he start shooting? Little boy. A little boy. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I was afraid. I didn't want Kevin to. Well, first of all, he's got to justify all this time and money to his wife. You know, he's got kids and stuff. And I just didn't want him to kind of just lose that. I don't know. Just get lost with it because. Mm-hmm. It's so much more difficult with a recurve. So I kind of wanted to, I actually wanted him to start with a rifle hunt. He's like, no, 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 no. I want to do both. And I was like, all right, well, then we'll just do compound then. Yeah. yeah. I, agree. I agree with that. I, I, I do agree with it, especially when you, because with something like that, you have to literally shoot every day for 15 minutes. I mean, there's, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. You have to. Yeah. I mean, it's the only way that you're going to make yourself successful and you're going to hold yourself to it. It's like, it's like being a camera guy. If you don't bring your camera, it's useless, right? But you have to you have to bring it and use it no matter what. Mm. And the only way you're going to get good and get the footage that you want is by using it every single hunt and not leaving it at home. And it's the same with a recurve. Like you have to practice, you have to bring it, you have to do it. I mean, it's just it's just a repetition type of thing where you have to do it all the time. Oh, for yeah. sure, I get that way with Antonio because he's a professional, like we said, professional photographer. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would say I'm a uh, a semi not pro. Okay. <laughs> So I just have good equipment, but no skill. <laughs> and then I'll uh, be trying to figure something out, and he'll be like, "Just give me the camera." And he takes a photo. It's like perfect. I'm like, "You're such a dick." Yeah. Now you know how I feel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every day. That is my Kevin. Yes. For photography. Yes, exactly. What's this button do? I don't know. <laughs> just press it. <laughs> See what happens. Poor Kevin. <laughs> Poor Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> I feel hey, bad. that's part of that's part of being the the young guy here in the in the well, no, the young guy, the, the amateur, yeah. the new guy. Yeah, I think I'm the oldest we guy. Bu- in the we group. gotta bust the balls a little bit. <laughs> pull, yeah, we gotta bully somebody just a little bit. It's like the intern. He's like the intern. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> He's the intern. That's awesome. <laughs> intern Kev. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Kev. I just I fed you Thanks, to the bud. wolves, man. <laughs> Thanks, man. Thanks, yeah. I'll be getting coffee in no time. <laughs> <laughs> No cream, no sugar. Yeah. <laughs> I get well, I, I got it from cream. here. I got it from here. I think I got it. <laughs> extra cream, extra sugar, French vanilla. He likes whipped cream on his on his hot chocolate. Yeah. Oh look, a bar of soap yep. in my coffee. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Farva. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh that's awesome. that's you know what's awesome too is like the dynamic too. like look at us now we're just all like abs- my cheeks hurt from laughing like we're all just you know busting each other no one takes it serious and uh i think that's like a a good uh showcasing of just like a good group of guys that you know just really enjoy doing what we do on a daily basis Th- that's an important thing man like 
So, like, obviously, like, we just started a new crew, right, and added to our crew. And it and it's a nerve-wracking thing, like, having that many people in so many different dynamics from so many walks of life, like, and being on different levels, that it's very important that everybody gets along. And everybody, you know, they they have their own input on everything. And, you know, you have to get along. You have to smile. You have to laugh no matter what. I mean, if you're not doing that, then what fun is it? You know what I'm saying? Like, it... It has to be like that. Like it's it's not an option. It does. It does. Yeah, you have to, and you're gonna go through some shit. Like craving wild is gonna go through some shit at some time. Like that's just the nature of the beast. Mm-hmm. And and just having that good dynamic together definitely is gonna make that road a lot less bumpy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, at it, the end of the day, you know, you want to put friendship over over yeah. over everything because you know that's that's the backbone of all the podcasts we do and all the hunts we do. Even if we don't have if this goes to, you know, nothing happens in 10 years, I'll be like, hey, do you want to go for a hunt? You'll be like, yeah, let's go not kill anything. <laughs> yeah. You've still been still breaking, <laughs> the street, still breaking the streak, you know, so. No, I, and, and, and you're absolutely correct with that is that whatever whatever comes out of anything that you do like this, no matter what, at the end of the day, you still have to have the people that started with you from the beginning. Like that's that's mm. so important. And it's. And, and no matter what, no matter what kind of argument that you get into or what kind of fight that everybody's still friends at the end of the day and you're doing it for all for the right reasons, like the camaraderie, the deer camp, like that's, that's what it's all about at the end of the day. Yeah. We like to showcase what we do. We like to talk about what we do, but th- at the end of the day, everybody needs to get along and still, you know, be friends no matter what happens with anything, you know, like that's a, that's a tough thing. It definitely is a tough thing for sure. Yeah, and I gotta say, like coming off that, like some of the shittiest days of my life are out with these guys, <laughs> like, <laughs> like like chasing a deer for twenty something hours and not finding it, or going out ice fishing when it's negative fifteen degrees out and not catching anything. But we still want to come back and talk about it, and and then at the end of the day, laugh about it. What a what a cool group of guys! Like mm-hmm. that's awesome. That that's a dynamic right there that you can't. Yeah just come across so and, and, and doing doing miserable that. things doing miserable things sort of like welds your 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 friendship more like you bond more with people mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. you're doing miserable hard you know very very things that a lot of normal people wouldn't do sure uh puts uh helps with your friendship a lot yeah and, yeah and bonding you, with with new people too mm-hmm. so it's, it's always good to uh to do that, and I can't wait to take Kevin to some of this stuff that me and Dan does. <laughs> you find out who your friends are. Yeah, pretty when much. You're five miles back, and all your water's frozen. It's 22 degrees outside. You can't make a fire. You can't have all your food needs to be cooked, and you can't poop because you're you yeah. brought wet wipes instead of toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> They're frozen. Solid. What do you need? What do you need enemies for when you have good friends like that? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <you> know, <right? laughs> I say that all the time. Like all of them, all of my buddies that I hunt with and stuff, and they're like. Yeah, I don't know why I need enemies when I have friends like you. You you fuckers just make fun of me, talk shit, and fucking beat me up every day. I don't need an enemy. I got you guys. It's like, Jesus. I don't even have time for an enemy. <laughs> like, where, where do you even find one? They would actually be probably better friends. I think my enemies would be better friends than my actual friends are. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> but you're right. When you're in that survival survivalistic s- scenario... And you're, ha- you know, like the craziest things, like, you know, when you're with your buddy and you get stuck in the mud and you're stuck there for six hours and no one mm-hmm. comes and helps you. What? That's the story that you tell. 
That's the, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, that's it right there. Like, what was the story that me and Marduk said when I missed the deer and he was filming? Like, it was it was a shitty situation, but it was the best situation that could be told as a story. You know, like, that's what it's all about. For sure. Type 2 fun. I, I just think it's it's easy to be friends when times are good, but when you go through some shit with some friends, you always come out the other side closer than, mm-hmm. than ever can imagine, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think so, too. 100%. I think that's why... Uh, uh, people in the in the military are so close mm-hmm. together because they go through some shit and they don't see each other for 20 years and they see each other like nothing. And I think that's part of it is going through like just always Hell. have that bond. Yeah. 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 And I think that's a cool thing about having a group. Like at first, like for us, it was me and Mardik. And then now this season adding another four guys, like – you're kind of like taken back by it. You're like, ah, I don't know, man, like what happens. But now you have four more people to go through some shitty shit with. Mm. I'm in for it, dude. Like, let's go, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> just pile it on. <laughs> just pile it on, man. <laughs> Screw it, you know? Because, like, we're going to, we're about to have a turkey camp and then we have the shows and all that stuff. Like, it's, it's, it's just cool to get to know the guys and become really good friends with them like that, you know? And it's probably the same for you guys. Because you guys, well, you guys all live pretty close to each other, or? Uh, yeah, no. fair, fair. Well, depends on what you feel like is close. Uh, Kevin's like an hour from me. That's the furthest guy. Yeah. So me and Marduk are about 45 minutes apart. And this, so it's the same exact thing where. 45 minutes the way you drive. Yeah. <laughs> What's it really? It's like almost an hour. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> me and Kev work together, though, so we see each other pretty much on a daily basis. Oh, see, that's yeah. sick. That's totally sick. But you then you guys get to go do things together, like you and Antonio going squirrel hunting and not shooting anything. I mean, that's just normal, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's called walking in the woods. <laughs> yeah, we did taking your taking your rifle for it. <laughs> I think they have memes about that. <laughs> I bet. I sometimes just shoot in the air so I can be like, I shot a something. Yeah. <laughs> Let me smell the gunpowder. <laughs> Oh, man. It's getting a little expensive to be doing that, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not yeah, whatever. It's all good. Yeah. <laughs> Only money. We'll make more tomorrow. That's yeah, right. right. So why don't you talk about a little bit of what the future holds for Craven Wild? What do you you have anything in the books or something that you know it's coming down the pipe a little bit different than you know kind of what we talked about before? Uh, not really. Just more uh, YouTube videos. We have some plans on some hunts that we want to go on. Mm-hmm. Probably the biggest thing is going to be. Uh, western pa elk we're going to do a lot of stuff over the summer with that um some camping stuff so probably i would just say you like videos more youtube videos mm-hmm. short films if, if you want to call them that yeah That's we're going to try to delaware, do uh, the delaware trip we'll talk about quite a bit i'm mm-hmm. sure yeah 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 uh, it, it, it'll be awesome i think i think we we're gonna be uh trying to mix everything that we can into into just one video and see what what the people like to uh, if the if the people react positive to it, which I think they will, you know, mm-hmm. we're talking yeah. about camping and cooking outdoors, and who doesn't like, you know, mm. cooking in a fire while drinking bourbon, smoking cigars, and talking, you know, smack with your friends. Mm-hmm. Speak my language. Yeah, I was gonna say, is that right? So you know, that's that's what we're trying to. That's what one of the things that we're trying to accomplish. Do more of that, and uh, you know, get the get the people involved, and. Uh, you know, do more podcasts out outdoors too. I think that'll be that'll be great over a fire while cooking steaks. You know, it, hell yeah! Yeah, is that virtually Kevin, what what, bro, what your podcast is about? Also, v- virtually the same exact thing that you're talking about. 
pretty much, I would say. Like the podcast is is really going to be um, seasonal. Yeah, seasonal. What we're doing, and then if we need to say we post a ten minute short film, um, then we'll do maybe we'll do a like an hour long podcast, further explaining like the setup, the trials, you know, just all the shit that you don't see in the actual video itself. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to to do that, and uh, uh, yeah, and just just like Antonio said, see what the people enjoy, and and kind of just base everything off of that, which because that's the, at the end of the day, the, the viewer and listener is the most important part of this i mean we're going to be doing this shit regardless whether or not there's people listening yeah. to it or not but mm-hmm. if we can give people you know more of what they want to see here um we'll, we'll definitely do that i got a question because i've listened to, how many episodes are out now three or did you drop another one um, i don't even know i'm we're terrible four, now well i listen i listened to the first three and i'm dying i gotta ask i gotta hear about these uh smoke chocolate chip cookies they're everything you think but, they are. <laughs> I heard I, I'm a sucker for some chocolate chip cookies, and I heard that, and I was like, "Oh my god, <laughs> it's good." You don't get as much smoke flavor as you as you think you would. It's not like you're biting into a brisket by any means. Yeah, um, but you do just get that little bit of, depending on what uh, pellet you like. I have a pellet smoker is what it, we're doing it with, yeah, so depending yeah. on what pellet you use. But yeah, you just get like that little hue of, of that smokiness with a chocolate chip cookie, and I mean, I mean, who doesn't like that? Oh, yeah. I, I actually believe it or not, I have a big green egg for a smoker. And, oh, okay, uh, they're awesome. I think I'm gonna have to try that. It, dude, it's yeah, you won't be disappointed. <laughs> is is that like the smoked green, cream cheese? That's all I could think about when you had said about the smoked chocolate chip cookie. Yeah, same principle. Same principle. Mm. Everyone loves cream what, cheese. The, <clears throat> The beauty of the, of the pellet grill is the fact that you can use it as an oven. Right. Right. I can yeah. set it to a temperature and just walk away. So basically, I'm just setting it to, you know, 375 and just letting the cookies do their thing and taking them out. That's it. Did, weren't you just smoking something yesterday, Dan? It was, it was yeah, like 730 in the morning. I'm hungover and I'm looking at my Snapchat and Dan has two pork butts on the thing. I'm like, bro, what is he doing, man? Go to bed. <laughs> I was up. I put them on at 330 in the morning and I ended up taking them off at noon. I think. Wow. Something like that. Dude, that's so I it on the made sandwiches. Did a pulled pork sandwiches with uh, coleslaw on top. I'm making I'm me hungry. Over here. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <me too. laughs> this always happens. We always talk about food. We're starving. Yeah. yeah. Afterwards. Jeez, I could. Yeah, man. Is it? Do you guys do a lot of smoking stuff? Like when when with I, I some do. of this? Okay. Me too. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> me too. Yeah. One of the things that I'm trying to get a. Uh, involved actually in here is to do a little different country mix uh you know so we're gonna try to do uh some of the regular things that we you know that we eat at the state but then i'm gonna bring some of my you know uh venezuelan heat some then some venezuelan stuff uh to mix it so people make recipes out of it so people can try my home because they are delicious so Hmm. Uh, I already I already started making my own cheese, cowboy cheese. So and, um, yeah, we're gonna start with that. We're gonna start with some, uh, maybe some also buco or some tacos. It's gonna be or empanadas. We talk about empanadas. Oh, about yeah. the empanadas. Yeah. All right, yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. Yeah. Time out. Yeah. Time out. One second. Yeah, Bring it back. I, what's I want to know about this cheese, bro? I know because I know <laughs> I know that everybody else. And this is I get this all the time, dude. We'll have listeners that listen. And they're like, bro, why didn't you ask that question? Like he just said that and you didn't ask that question. So I'm gonna bring it back. You got to tell us about the cheese. Well, the cheese. All right. Um, first of all, let me let me say this. <laughs> 
we're not liable for yeah, anything. we're not liable for anything. Um, we, when I moved to the state, my dad tried to bring Venezuelan cheese in. I think it's one of the best cheese, but I'm not. That, that's just because I grew up with them, probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, we tried to bring it, and a lot of Venezuelans actually tried to bring cheese from Venezuela. And the FDA say all the time that I don't know how Venezuelans are alive because that is not edible. Which I don't think is true. I just think the FDA is just a bunch of little girls that they're not making money off. Can't handle uh, uh. good stuff. Anyway, but uh, yeah, it's 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 very it's very easy to make actually. It's not that it's not that hard. Uh, you just grab raw milk, buy uh, animal rennet, and you cook it to a certain temperature for you know. You bring it up. I think it's like ninety because I do it in. Uh, Celsius and Celsius instead of Fahrenheit. <laughs> so you bring it, you bring it to 36 Celsius, which I think is like 98 Fahrenheit. The milk, so mm-hmm. it's like lukewarm. So what you do is like it, when you put your finger in the milk, it's not supposed to feel like anything because it's the temperature of the body, pretty much what it is. Ah, okay. And then you put the the animal rennet on it, turn the heat off, let it let it coagulate, and then it takes about an hour, and then you just squeeze all the juice out of it. And then you put it on, uh, on like a, I don't know, like a tote with some holes in it, depending, like a small container with some holes in it, and put something pressure on it, and just leave it out for a day or two, and just take it out, and you're ready to eat. Hmm. It's really, it's so good. It's good, but it's it, it never boils, so you never kill anything, <laughs> and it's always outside, so it's lukewarm. So it's lukewarm coagulated milk. That's what cheese is. <laughs> And there you go. That's how you make. Terrible. That's how you make Venezuelan cowboy cheese. So, so in all reality, it's no different than like blue cheese or anything else. I mean, they they yeah. they, they literally rot it. it. I mean, like, what is really the difference? Like, yeah. No. Well, if you eat prosciutto, prosciutto is a piece of ham that is left in some attic at you know <laughs> sixty degree Fahrenheit for nine to twelve months, and it's covered in mold, and then you take it out and eat it. Right. So it's, yeah, I I. I enjoy it. <laughs> hey, I'll be honest with you, Antonio. It's just the American people and how how pussificated that they actually are when it comes to food and stuff. Because a lot yeah. of these other countries, like like South Africa, biltong, which is which is literally oh, their delicious. which is their jerky, and they literally hang it to to dry in the kitchen. Yeah. Like, and it's nasty. I mean, everybody knows Africa. It's hot as fuck. Like, yeah. it's just, it's not like they put fans on it, but the bugs still go on it. It's still moldy. Yeah. Like, it doesn't, but it's good. You know, it's just pacificated yeah. Americans that are afraid to eat some of this stuff in some of these countries and third world countries, the things that they eat and they all survive, you know, like, but we have FDA approval for everything, yeah. you know, like, yeah. come yeah. on, dude, if you're, if you're dying in the woods and you shoot a deer and, you know, you're, you're lost you're not going to find a refrigerator out there. I mean, what are you going to do? Oh, yeah. You're going to try and, I mean, there's a million one things that I would try and do, but you're not going to get it to <laughs> 33 degrees to freeze it. Like you're just going to do with it what you want. You know, like, I, I don't know. No, a hundred percent. A hundred percent. If you see this cheese, because again, Venezuela is a third world country. We don't have nothing fancy in some parts. This is your, your local, very poor people that live in farms and stuff like that. If you see this cheese in person be made, you're like, I'm not trying that. But then you eat it and I'm like, I don't give crap that has flies and roaches <laughs> legs in it. Because they use the same container over and over and over. Straight from the cow into the container. They put the animal rennet. 
They don't even boil it because it already comes out at 98 degrees from the cow. They just put the thing, coagulate it, and just leave it out in the farm, you know, which borders the Amazon forest, which is, you know, there's a billion and one insects. Right. So, yeah, it's, it's uh, I don't know, I like it. You, you, <laughs> Maybe made it, you get your cheese and your COVID vaccine at the same time. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, there, there you go. Well, funny story about this cheese. Um, my dad, when he was 20 years old, he got transferred from Venezuela to Oklahoma to live with his cousin. And my dad and his cousin would make uh, the cheese in the tub where they took a shower. Like, they'll fill the tub with, uh, with milk and just do the whole cheese process in the tub. And they'll just cut it. And then they will sell it to everybody. They say they made a ton of money back in the 70s. Doing I believe that. it. That's priceless. Do you imagine being a Venezuelan in Oklahoma? Dude, he, said, he, he has some That's stories wild. about it. In the 70s. Right, right. Oh, damn. Yeah. There, there was oh. so much acid in the 70s in Oklahoma that it didn't really even matter. what <laughs> they're eating. They thought they were yeah. eating a steak when it was actually cheese. They didn't know any difference. <laughs> Maybe, maybe. I think I think that's that's correct. <laughs> it's, it's really good crumbled up in tacos. Yeah. I did that with yours. Oh yeah, it was so good. It's good. Antonio oh, gave fry, me fried cheese too. You can fry it. It's fucking oh. amazing too. Ooh, I didn't try that. Wow. Dan, have you smoked it right. <laughs> Uh we I smoked a piece and uh I oversmoked it. Uh it was too it was like it was so you can taste just smoke with like a hint of cheese. Mm. Oh okay. Couldn't taste that bacteria, huh? No, I couldn't taste it. <laughs> but yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, I guess we get some we, cowboy it, cheese. I can't wait to come to Pennsylvania. It, <laughs> hey, if we ever if we ever get together, I'll make sure that I'll 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 make some some of that cheese. And oh, bring it we we will be getting together. You can mark my words. <laughs> I just coming for right. the cheese, bro. <laughs> well, we got to have chocolate chip cookies and cowboy yeah. cheese. <laughs> yeah. And the steak in the fire pit outside. So yeah, uh, yeah. The, the picanha. Have you guys ever had picanha? That's another. I don't think so. No. Yeah, no. picanha is like a it's a cut of beef that they don't have here in the states. It's a I think it's like a French cut. I think is what it is. It's a the sirloin cap. That's pretty yeah. much what it is. Okay. And yep. uh, and it's if you cook that and that's what South Americans like to barbecue, man. And that thing is it's it's that's so it's good. so good, man. It's so fucking good. And a lot of people don't cook it here for some reason. And it probably yeah. goes real good with bourbon and cigars too. Oh, I, I bet. Oh, yeah. I think so. <laughs> let me try it. Let me try it tonight. I'll let you know. <laughs> I love it. Oh, man. See, this is this is what Craven Wild's all about. Good food, good people. It doesn't get much better than that. Exactly. Right. No, I'm excited, man. Like I said, I, I've already listened to your first three episodes, and I, I, I love it. I can't wait for more. Definitely. You I got, appreciate that, man. It, it's tough to break into someone's regular you know, weekly rotation of podcasts and you, you guys are, you guys got into mine real quick. That's awesome. Thank you. That says Thank a lot. You. Somebody who has their own podcast. I appreciate that. <laughs> I don't know. Cause I, I don't listen just to podcasts. To suck up because of the cheese. He just wants cheese. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he just tried to say that. He wants cheese. <laughs> Look at him. Of course he wants, he doesn't, he actually, it's not the cheese. It's the cookies, bro. Honestly, he wants the cookies. Yeah. I was going to say, honestly, I'm not even a big cheese guy, but. <laughs> I will get some cookies. Okay, then the smoke cookies then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, boys, what we love to do here, some of you guys might know, might not, man. We Our last question of the day is what drives you outdoors? Oh, Kevin, we'll I'm start with good. you. Yeah, let's I go mean. with Kevin. 
man, just everything. <laughs> I'm so new, man. I, I the unknown still is driving me outdoors. I, just every day is a new adventure. I I don't even know the woods out my backyard yet completely. Like, and it's awesome. I just get lost every time I go for a walk, and there's nothing better than it. I put on my now I'm putting on a weighted vest and just hiking. Not a smart idea if you don't know how to get back with a weighted vest. But <laughs> I have had some shitty situations out there, but um, just getting outside, getting outdoors, getting my kids outdoors is, is so important to me, right? Especially today, right? Mm-hmm. So um, it's the unknown, not knowing what I'm going to see, not knowing how I'm going to handle it, all of it. I love it. Antonio, so, bye, guys. Oh. That's a hard question, but <laughs> <laughs> that's why we asked. Um, uh, well, let me uh, a little a little story here before I, I answer it. Um, my favorite place in this whole wide world is the farm in Venezuela that I no longer can go, and and he has such a core memory and a core a feeling inside of me that I named my daughter after the savannas in Venezuela. So my wow. daughter's name is Savannah. Because of the, that place where I grew up. So what drives me outdoors is just the fact that every time I'm there, either by myself, most likely by myself, but when I'm with somebody, I travel back in time to the beginning of why I enjoy it. Uh, it it's hard to explain to somebody why you like the outdoors. Because I got friends, they're like, why do you like to go out so much? I'm like, it, I don't know what it is. Is just when I'm there, I feel like, okay, this is what I, I like. I, I, I don't know how to explain it. Or this is what I, what I, where you belong, where I belong, maybe, or what I'm supposed to be doing. But even my wife, when my, my wife sees me mad from work or I'm like struggling, she goes, you either get out of the house, go to the woods, or you're not allowed to come into the house. So she kicks me out of the house so I can be outside for a little bit. And when I come back, I'm like more center, more like, my feet are back in, in, in the ground. Because you, you fight with your demons when you're in the woods, especially yeah. when you're by yourself. You think and you think and you think and you think and you go through a hundred scenarios of everything. And I think that, to me, is why I like to go a, a lot out there. Amen. Amen. We're, we were actually talking about that before we started podcasting. We were downstairs having dinner and, and Sarah cooked us a phenomenal dinner, by the way. And we were talking about food. It was That was amazing, by the way. But she... And we were talking about how being outdoors and, and you start to think about everything and you kind of – you I think that you – when when you are in the outdoors, you I, – I can, I can fix the world problems in probably 15 minutes of being outdoors. No questions. Yeah. I, I could change the world in 15 minutes just being outdoors in the world. Like it's just mm-hmm. – it's one of those things. So you hit the yeah. nail on the head. That's probably – no, no offense, Kev, but that was probably one of the best answers I've had for what tries you outdoors. You say that every week, though, too. So. <laughs> hey, shut up. Nobody asked you, bro. <laughs> All right, Dan, give him the new best yeah, one. Yeah, Dan. Dan, what's the new best one? <laughs> well, I don't know if I can really follow up Antonio, so I'm just going to be an asshole and say a 2014 F-150 is what drives me outdoors. Oh, oh that guy. Whoa, we haven't had one of those one in a before. while. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why you're driving a 2014. <laughs> <laughs> give us three, give us four years of craving wild and it'll be a 2015 <laughs> um moving up big in the know, world I, yeah yeah exactly gonna move up to the aluminum body yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> dude you know i just don't know any different um 
I, and I don't want to know any different, to be honest. Not not to sound like crude or anything about it, but I have zero interest in anything concrete. I have a joke with uh, Kevin about there has to be like a tree to human ratio, and there's got to be way more trees. Um, so yeah, just like the I guess the fear of not having it anymore is just what keeps me going out there, and I just I feel comfortable. I, you know, you can be yourself. You're you not know, like the you know a maple tree is not going to judge you on how you talk, how you walk, how you look, how you dress. Are so, we still talking just, about the Ford F-150? <laughs> yeah, we can. <laughs> I, that's When you're talking about it, that's all I can think about was the F-150. I'm like, dude, it's it's an F-150 and it's a 2014. Is it that important to you? <laughs> that, but let me tell you something. The, F, uh, the F-150 does just judge uh dan so oh no yeah. talking about that shit especially yeah it judges me hard especially when i put in that 87 it's like eh, i don't know about all that but, sorry, yeah, sorry no. dan i didn't mean to butcher up your what drives you outdoors but i had to it was no, there. well i started off with the asshole comment so i deserve <laughs> i only did that because the last time I, you had me on your podcast i said the same thing but it was a 2013 subaru so we upgrade we did upgrade already all right attaboy attaboy <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah that, uh, that's that's mine on the core is just i really don't know anything different and, and that's just where i feel comfortable to be honest that's awesome man no i think it's great you guys got a really good thing going on man i i i'm really looking forward to watching it grow man and you know ever since i known you dan you've been doing the craven wild thing and just been kind of waiting for it to kick off kick off kick off and then now with this man the step in the right direction and what you got coming forth, man. Really looking forward to it. And it seems like you got a real badass team. Everyone's really cool. And, you know, sadly we missed out on Eddie because this would have been a trapping podcast, but it those things happen. And <laughs> maybe so we'll, we'll just we'll do have to run it back one more time on, on our platform. We'll have all four guys and then we'll get you guys and interview you guys. That sounds good. Look forward to it, honestly. Um, before Before we kick you guys off, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you? If they want to listen to the podcast or check you out on Instagram or YouTube or wherever. So it's uh, craving.wild on Instagram. And then it's just a Craving Wild podcast on pretty much any place you can find a podcast except for Apple right now because they're assholes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, so yeah, like Spotify, Podbean. Oh, dude, it's terrible. Mm-hmm. It's, I don't, I'm, my blood's just boiling just thinking <laughs> about it. When it comes, uh, it comes, though. It's good. Just let it, just let it be. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and then on YouTube, it's just it's craving wild on YouTube as well. And then, uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much it for right now. That's awesome. Well, guys, we, we we appreciate you guys jumping on. What a great conversation! We can't thank you guys enough. And uh, like I said, we're really looking forward to seeing what you guys got coming forth down the table. And for everyone else, thanks for taking the ride right here on the Outdoor Drive. <laughs>